Hare Krishna. Good morning to everyone. All of you who are out there listening in by radio, telephone, or internet. We are very pleased that you've chosen to join us this morning for a little philosophical discourse on the Srimad Bhagavatam, the spotless Purana. I'm Rupandu Gadas. I'm with you this morning. Pleased to be with you and try to share some thoughts with you. We know that many of you are, are getting ready to go to work or getting kids ready to go to school. And so we know that this is a busy time of day for you. But we thank you very much for joining us. It's, it's a pleasure knowing that you're out there and knowing that you're uh, taking part in our discussion, even if you're doing it within your own mind. That also counts. This morning we're going to be uh, continuing our reading in the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're still in, in chapter 3. This chapter is entitled, Krishna, uh, the Source of All Incarnations. And we'll be reading text number 23 this morning. So if you've got your copy of Srimad Bhagavatam handy, please get it out and be prepared to read along with us. Before we begin, as we usually do, we're going to uh, offer an invocation to the Supreme Lord. Thank you very much. Uh, and in offering a, a, an invocation, we're invoking the presence and the blessings of the Lord, so that uh, He might He might choose to help us in having words to say that would be meaningful and that would not. Uh, be a waste of time. Do we have text number 23 on the board? Okay. All right, so text number 23 of chapter 3 in the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. But first, the invocation. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jai Gopi Janda Vallabha Girivaradhari Jai Gopijana Balabhagirivadhadhari Yashura Randana Brajajana Randana Yashodanandana Brajajana Ranjana Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jamuna Tira 
चारे राध माधव कुंजा बिहारी गौर प्रेमानंद हरि हरि गो जय ओम विष्णुपाद परमहंस परिव्यचाकाचार्य हस्तो थरसत श्री श्रीमाद His divine loving grace abhaye chananala vinda bhakti vidanta swami maharaj shrila prabhupar ki jai dayom vishnu pada padmahamsa paribhajaka charja hasto tarasata shri shrimad his divine grace bhakti sidanta saraswati ko swami maharaj shrila prabhupar ki jai अनंत कोटि वैष्णव की जाय इस्कान बीबीटी फाउंडर चार्ज शिल बाबूपार की जाय इस्कान गुरु परम भरा की जाय श्री रूप श्री सनातन भट रघुनाथ श्री जीव गोपाल भट दास रघुनाथ सत गोस्वामी प्रभु की जाय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतम की जाय नाम चार्ज शिल हरिदास ठकुर की जाय प्रेम से कहू श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गाधा शिवा सदि गौर भक्त वृंद की जाय श्री श्री राधा कृष्ण गोप गोपीनाथ श्यामकुन राधकुंड गिरि गोविदान की जाय श्री वृंदावन धाम की जाय श्री मथुरा धाम की जाय श्री मायपोनावती धाम की जाय श्री जगन्नाथपुरी धाम की जाय श्री श्री राधा कलचंद जी धाम की जाय गंगा देवी की जाय जमुना माई की जाय भक्ति देवी की जाय तुलसी महारानी की जाय समवेद भक्त वृंद की जाय बृहत मदंग ट्रांसेंडेंटल बुक एंड ट्रांसेंडेंटल प्रसारण डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन की जाय निताय गौर प्रेमानंद हरि हरि बो All glories to the assembled devotees. Hari Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hari Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hari Krishna. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Pastaya Bhutale Shrimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nityanamani Namaste Saraswati Devi Gaurabhani Pacharine Nivishesha Shrinivari Pashtatadesha Tarina Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाया ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाया नारायणम नमस्कृत नरम चैवरोत्तमम देवीं सरस्वतीं न्यासं तदु जायम दीरयत नास्तपरेशभद्रेशु निगवत सेवया भगवतुत्तम श्लोके भक्तिर्बाबरी नैष्टीमद्भागवताम की Once again, if you're just now joining us, we're reading from the श्रीमद्भागवताम first canto, chapter 3. 
the chapter entitled Krishna is the source of all incarnations. And we're reading on text number 23 for today. So we'll begin by reading uh, uh, reading the text, the transliteration, um, word for word. Eko navimshe vimshatime vishnishu prapya janmani rama krishnav iti bhuvo Bhagavan Aharad Bharam. And now we'll chant this as poetry. Eko Navimche Vimshatime Vrishnishu Prapyajanmani Rama Krishna Viti Bhuvo Bhagavan Aharan Bharam Again Eko Navimshe Vimshatime Vrishnishu Prapya Janmani Rama Krishna Viti Bhuvo Bhagavan Aharadharam Eko Navimche Vimshatime Vrishnishu Prapya Janmani Rama Krishna Viti Bhuvo Bhagavan Aharad Bharam uh, Repeat please, or chant please. Eko Vimshe Vimshatime Vishnisu Prapya Janmani Rama Krishna Viti Bhuvo Bhagavan Aharad Bharam Eko Navimshe Vimshatime Krishna Shu Prapya Janmani Rama Krishna Viti Bhuvo Bhagavan Aharad Bharam Very good, very good chanting. Word for word translations. Eko Navimshe in the nineteenth, in the nineteenth, Vimshatime, in the twentieth also, Vrishnishu, in the Vrishni dynasty, 
प्राप्य हैविंग अपटेन्ड जन्मनी बर्थ्स राम बालराम कृष्ण श्रीकृष्ण दस भूव ऑफ द वर्ल्ड भगवान द पर्सनैलिटी ऑफ गॉड हेड आहारत रिमूव्ड भारम द बर्डन ट्रांसलेशन बाय इज डिवाइन ग्रेस ऐसी भक्तिवेदांत स्वामी महाराज शील प्रभुपाद की In the 19th and 20th incarnations the Lord advented himself as Lord Balaram and Lord Krishna in the family of Vrishni which is the Yadu dynasty and by doing so he removed the burdens of the world repeat with me please in the 19th and 20th incarnations the Lord advented himself as lord balaram and lord krishna in the family of vrishni the yadu dynasty and by so doing he removed the burden of the world purport also by his divine grace ac bhaktivedanta swami maharaj shila prabhupada gidai The specific mention of the word Bhagavan in this text indicates that Balaram and Krishna are the original forms of the Lord. This will be further explained later. Lord Krishna is not an incarnation of the Purusha as we learned from the beginning of this chapter. He is directly the original personality of godhead and balaram is his first plenary manifestation of the lord is the first plenary manifestation of the lord and what do we say plenary means does anybody remember that from the past plenary i used to think it meant a portion uh, but it actually means complete so uh balaram the first uh the is the first plenary manifestation of the lord in other words balaram is as complete as krishna is complete from baladev it's a, who is an, what that's another name for balaram from baladev the first phalanx of plenary expansions vasudev sankarshan aniruddha and pradumna expands that's called the uh, plenary expansions of krishna lord krishna is vasudev and baladev is sankarshan and that's the end of the purport om agyana timidandasya gyananjana salakaya chakshudun militam jena tasmai shri gurave namah श्री चैतन्य मनोभीष्ट जैन भूतले स्वायं रूप कदा माया दाती स्वाबरक वंदे हम श्री गुरो श्रीयुक्ता पदकमल श्रीगुरून वैष्णव 
ಶ್ರೀರೂಪಂಸಾಗ್ವಜತ್ತಂ ಸಹಗನ ರಾಘುನಾಥನ್ಮಿಥಂ ಥೀವಂ ಸಾವದ್ವೈತ ಸಾವದುಟ್ಟ ಪರಿಜನ ಸಹಿತ ಕೃಷ್ಣಚೈತನ್ಯದೇವಂ ಸಹಗನ ಲಾಲಿತ ಶ್ರೀವಿಶಾಕನ್ವಿಧ ಹೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಕರುಣ ಸಂಡೋ ದೀನಬಂಧೋ ಜಗತ್ಪದೆ ಗೌಪೇಶ ಗೌಪಿಕಾಂತ ರಾಧಾಕಾಂತ ನಮೋಸ್ತುತೆ ತಪ್ತಕಾಂಚಾನಗೌರಾಂಗೀ ರಾಧೇ ಬೃಂದಮನೇಶ್ವರಿ ವೃಷಪನುಸುತೆ ದೇವಿ ಪ್ರಣಮಿ ಹರಿ ಪ್ರಿಯ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭು ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀಯದ್ವೈತಕರಧಾರ ಶಿವಾಸರಿಗೋಲಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ ನಾಮ ಓಂ ವಿಷ್ಣುಪದಾಯ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಪಿಸ್ತಾಯ ಭೂತಲೆ ಶ್ರೀಮತೆ ತಮಾಕೃಷ್ಣ ಗೋಸ್ವಾಮಿನೀತಿ ನಾಮನೆ Translation once again for the verse that we're reading today. In the 19th and 20th incarnations, the Lord invented himself as Lord Balaram and Lord Krishna in the family of Rishni, the Yadu dynasty. And by so doing, he removed the burden of the world. And so this is going to be the topic of the entire Srimad Bhagavatam. about Krishna and his expansions and his relatives in the Yadu dynasty. But I'm going to take one particular aspect of this, this verse today and, uh, and speak a little bit about it today, and hopefully it will help you in your own uh, your quest for Krishna consciousness. So the topic that I've chosen for our talk today is coming to believe that Krishna is God. This is the uh this is the topic that has been the we could say it's almost like the lifelong topic of uh Shila Prabhupada helping us to come to the belief that Krishna is God. So initially before before we come into contact with persons who know about Krishna who know about God we were unable to conceive that a person can be so great as God is great we might have heard it so many times in dealing with others in our in whatever religious belief that we grew up in we we might have been uh, repeating uh, texts or songs that were helping us to believe that god is great and god is good but being able to conceive what is is the potency of the supreme lord and what are the activities of the supreme lord it it is a, it, it is not unusual that people some people become atheist even after having spent their entire childhood in in the family of of a of a very pious family of a very pious people a family of very pious people and so the the uh, why why is that 
Well, first of all, we have no knowledge of previous events and persons who have actually been present on the planet in the past who have been very, very uh, close associates of the Supreme Lord or who have been devout followers of the teachings of the Supreme Lord. And we, you know, when we're growing up, perhaps we have recognized that there is no one who is authoritative who can tell us any more than what we have heard from our parents, our grandparents, maybe our preacher or our priest uh, or our rabbi. Uh, maybe none of these people has has had the authoritative um, of knowledge of the Supreme Lord and his activities. On, when he was present, personally present on the planet. And we understand that his appearance 5,000 years ago was a very, very unusual presence, especially just preceding this age of Kali, which is the age of quarrel and dissent. And we have, we perhaps we uh, compared events and persons uh, that we heard about being godly people, uh, to those of our own experience. Maybe we even compared the Supreme Lord to uh, the personalities that we have had in our own experience, our own lifetimes. And we cannot see anything very much unusual about those persons that we have had any dealings with, even though they might have been very, very pious people. Still, they didn't seem to have anything which uh, which was similar to uh, the power and the majesty of the Supreme Lord. We perhaps even studied, we read about, or we heard about persons living in the distant past from another culture at another time um, who were said to have had direct connection with the Supreme Lord but when we look at their pastimes themselves, we don't see anything so much different from any of the ord- other ordinary people of that time. So perhaps we came to the point of thinking, and, and we, you know, when we start getting into our late teens, perhaps our early 20s, uh, and we start actually having some brains in our heads, uh, then we begin thinking that, that all of this is very, very commonplace. In other words, our idea of spiritual life and spiritual personalities is so much a part of our just daily kind of conversation that we don't think anything about them as being unusual, and we eventually come to think of them as extremely commonplace. And so all all of these uh, are are, are uh, experiences that we've had, like uh, growing up having no knowledge of previous persons and events, recognizing no one as authoritative, comparing all the events and persons that we've heard about to those of our own experience. We think of these to be very commonplace, and and so therefore. Uh, it tends to dull down uh, any concept that we had of the Supreme Lord. But uh, according to our text today, uh, these are in the 19th and 20th incarnations, which are mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam, 
Lord Krishna came himself, and Lord Balaram, his first expansion, who was playing the part of his brother, also came into this world only 5,000 years ago. And uh, in the pages of the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the pages of the Mahabharata, we find some very unusual pastimes which are actually very stimulating to our our, our uh, imaginations because we think maybe there is something more to this life than just getting up and going to some stupid job every day, being with the same uninformed, ordinary people, listening to the talk that they have, which is about nothing more than the events that are taking place around them on an everyday basis. Not a very good environment for one who might be seeking something that kind of takes the ordinariness away from our lives. So we become inspired to explore other possibilities. Um, and what what leads us to that? Well, for some of us, it's feeling the boredom with everyday activities and the persons that we're around. Um, and for anyone who has worked at a job, uh, Mr. Bhagwan Prabhu is with us today, and I think he can vouch for the fact, since he's been in the military and he's had a number of different kinds of engagements throughout his life, he can also vouch for the fact that uh, m- most of the kind of activities that people experience and then talk about are not very interesting. Would you agree? What's that? He says mostly people just complain. <laughs> That's when they get beaten down. When it's of course when they first when they first come out of high school perhaps or out of college Maybe there's a, still a little bit of glow there in their personalities, uh, and uh, and they're kind of interesting at that time, or maybe they have some interesting thoughts to share with us. But after they've been on the job for a year, two years, three years, four years, and they get settled into a life of simply working to provide food and a place to live and transportation for their family members, um Mostly, according to Mr. Bhagwan Prabhu, all, mostly what they do is just complain. Complain about how life has not been fair to me. I'm not getting what I deserve. People don't appreciate me for who I am. So it, it, this is a kind of, of, of mental attitude that is not necessarily a bad thing because it can lead one to want to escape from this kind of boring existence, this and and also um, we begin to wonder about well, what is the cause of our pain and and the monotony of our lives, and and so we begin asking questions. If we're very fortunate, we ask questions. If not, then what we do is just kind of dull our minds out with intoxication. And with the kinds of activities that most people that participate in, the sports or some kind of, uh, of civic organizations or, or maybe going and listening to a rock concert or a symphony concert that is being performed. And these are the kinds of things that, when mixed with enough intoxication, give us a little relief 
from some of the dull, boring monotony. And if we don't have these kinds of outside events to go to and participate in, we might find ourselves then just sitting in front of a television and letting the entertainment come to us. And so, therefore, we become very much like the kinds of things that we're watching, except we don't have the adventure that the people on television or the or the big screen movies. We don't have that kind of adventure usually, nor could we probably tolerate it because it's often filled with some amount of fear and danger. And even though we don't mind sitting in our easy chair in front of a television watching it, Still, it's not the kind of things that we would want to do, actually. And so life is, it becomes pretty, pretty monotonous to us, doesn't it? So we conclude, many people conclude that more possessions and more activities will not bring us happiness. Because we try that. And I have, I have relatives that I've seen who have the facility to go out and and uh, be very adventurous. And, uh, you know, they sign up for a cruise, something that takes them out of the country, gets them out on the water, and, and uh, takes them maybe to the shores of other countries where the cultures are different from ours, the food is somewhat different from ours, uh, the intoxication might be somewhat different from ours. But it's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? that people uh, will, will participate in their own lives. And it's so much so that uh, many people seem to think that the, the, the best part of any trip that one goes on to get away for a while is returning to one's home and being comfortable once again in one's secure environment and with the, uh, the, the, the elements of entertainment that one has and has been able to provide for one's family, the televisions, the radios, different kinds of things that are, are provided just to just to uh, increase our amount of sense gratification. So we, we conclude then that, that that ultimately will not bring us happiness. Just, just possessing more and and entertaining ourselves with other kinds of activities more and more. So we sense then that there is something more to life than what we're experiencing, and sometimes uh, our our effort to find out what that is leads us to uh, abandon our wives and husbands, our families, whatever whatever it is that is part of our ordinary life, and to seek some uh, satisfaction by in, engaging in, um, in relationships with other people and other people's children and making them, again, part of our own family members again. And, and this is one of the ways that we, uh, we have been taught uh, to to uh, gain some relief from the the monotony and the boredom that we experience in our lives. And those of you who are listening in, I'm sure that some of you are also having those same kinds of problems now. And maybe it's leading you to regret uh, the situation that you find yourself in. If you've come from another country into this country, perhaps... You find that uh, that even though you're getting paid more money than you could possibly get 
in the country that you grew up in, still the work is is just as monotonous and tedious and sometimes filled with challenges that you would not have expected to meet in your own country. For example, the kinds of people that you have to deal with. If you come from a setting in which people are very kind and respectful to each other and you enter this Western society where people are uh, on the surface very pleasant, but if anything goes wrong, then just below the surface lurking is the is the tendency to fly off the handle to become very angry, and they sometimes they're not even certain what they're angry about, but because they have that anger built up in them, then they sometimes lash out at, at other people, and you might be one of those persons, uh, particularly if you've come from a a setting which uh, teaches you that it isn't so good to react to persons who are, are in an angry mood. And maybe maybe you just learn to remain silent and just take it. And But still, that, that builds up inside your heart, and, and you wish that you had some way to uh, justify taking action against that other person. So we come into the light of knowledge if once we have become miserable enough. And Krishna states in Bhagavad Gita that there are four kinds of miseries that lead us to seek uh, the, the Supreme Lord. Uh, and, and we know what those are. One is, is, is suffering, pain and suffering. That's a good one, uh, a good experience that we have in the material world. Good in the sense that it tends to make us think that there must be something more to life than what I'm seeing. And I've mentioned before in here that there was a song back in the 1970s that I sometimes think about, and it's a little girl who is watching her house burn. And the song is entitled, Is That All There Is? You remember that song, Mr. Bhagavan? Is that all there is, my friend? And talks about all the suffering that one has to go through and to witness even sometimes as a child. If we're very fortunate, we've grown up in a household in which there is not that kind of suffering that goes on. Maybe it's, it takes a little bit different form, makes it, makes it easier to get through life as a child. But then we start getting into our teens and we find that there are a lot of people out there who feel that they're not getting their share of attention or respect or love and, and they become very angry. And then that's, those are the ones that sometimes take it out on us. So if we're very fortunate, then we begin reading and hearing about extraordinary possibilities that there is actually another, another consciousness that one can, can, uh, somehow the gain so that one can experience things that are not available to ordinary persons in our society. And a lot of this is, is from, we gain from reading about persons who we consider to be mystics. There were a lot of books going around back in the 1970s, 60s and 70s, and it seemed like that was a really prime time for young people to be interested in 
finding out what there is that is beyond this world of, of misery and suffering that they find themselves in, and especially those that had to go to war during this last century. The first There was the First World War in, in around 1916, 17. Then there was a Second World War that began in the, in the, uh, in the late, 40, late 40s, I believe. Or was it? Yeah, it was. It was going pretty strong that time because it, I remember that I think it was 1945 that the United States was the first and only country that has used an atomic or nuclear weapon to destroy uh, the ordinary citizens and the military of another country. So now it's it's now the United States is having to engage itself in trying to limit the number of nuclear weapons that are, are placed in various uh, various places around this earth. Um, but And there seems to be a lot of fear that is generated uh, by thinking that someone else might use these weapons. So the United States military then believes that it should uh, use its own power to try to limit the amount of, of, the, of nuclear arsenal that uh, many countries are now, or several countries, we should say, have have taken up. Even though not one of those other countries has used a nuclear weapon in fighting against another country, as the United States has done. So we begin searching for the truth. We hear about these extraordinary pers- uh, possibilities uh, that that would take us away from this. A monotony and this uh, unpleasantness of the world that we find ourselves living in. So we've been searching for the truth, and that's that's when we started reading about all the mystical experiences that were available to some people. But, you know, we would read about those things and wonder, well, now, how can I ever find out what that is like? I mean, who's going to teach me? Who's going to help me understand what this mysticism is all about? So then we began to find that there were others who were also on the same path that we have taken, and that is that they started uh, looking for something which was beyond the, the purview of the ordinary person. They began looking for some way to relieve the misery, relieve the suffering, relieve the boredom that they were experiencing. And many of you who are listening in today have also gone through this same set of experiences as we did back in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. And and people have still experienced that kind of thing today because the military governments that are around, scattered around the planet, are, are causing us all to have a certain amount of fear, which allows them then to use taxpayer money to increase their their prowess and to make sure that my country is the one that has the greatest and strongest military and if we're ever attacked by someone else uh, especially those with a nuclear weapon we're going to have a way to find out and we're going to make the first attack and destroy them before they destroy us and that seems to be one of the big fears that people have sometimes nowadays. But in their ordinary lives, most people are just wanting to be left alone. Just just let me do my job. Let me raise money so that I can support my family. Let me let me get my kids through uh, through an educational process that will make them 
eligible for some kind of job in the future. And it's certainly not a farming job. Anybody can go out and farm, right? But believe it or not, there are universities that teach courses on agriculture and how to become a highly technological agriculturalist so that you can go out instead of using a mule and, and to plow 40 acres of land and providing everything that your family need, as was done toward the beginning of this last century, it means the early 1900s, that's, that's when persons, well, actually that was probably the last generation of persons that believed that they should, uh, you know, just work the land and live in cooperation with the land. And if they had any idea about demigods, maybe they felt that they could perform some worship of the demigods to make sure that they got adequate rainfall an adequate sun, that, that their crops would do well and that their animals would do well. And so uh, it, in this kind of situation, um, that they, they, uh, they were all pretty much on the same. But at the beginning of the 19th, 1900s, that means at the beginning of the 20th century, it was said that uh, 5% of the entire working population made their living at some non-farm-related employment, 5%. Means 95% of the working population of the world back in the uh, the year two, uh, 1900, right at the beginning of the 20th century, that, uh, that only 5% were working at something that did not deal with agriculture and farm life, and, and 95%, and by the end of that century... It had just reversed. It was said that only 5% of the population uh, earned their livelihoods and supported their families by doing some farm-related activity. And 95% were engaged in activities that had absolutely nothing to do with the farming and nothing to do with the land, but had to do with, some, with something that, was in, that involved manufacturing processes, or distribution, or transportation, something like that. So we realized then uh, that, that there were authoritative teachers and uh, of this kind of knowledge that we were becoming intrigued by. And so we wanted to know something about the existence of those realities. So we began understanding our real identity, that was the first, that was probably one of the first and most unusual pieces of information that we received when we started studying spiritual life in, in, in earnest. We, we learned that our real identity was something different from that which we had perceived all of our lives, which means our bodies. And so we, we found out that not only were these bodies not who we are, but they were provided by someone else, someone whose energy it was that these bodies were made of. And this this personality that we understood that uh, all of these material ingredients were coming from was the person that we had known all along as God. And God is not really a name, even though it's been taken as that by a lot of persons in Christianity in the Western world. 
but it is it is not actually the name of that personality. He goes by many different names, Yahshua, uh, and and uh, Jehovah, and and uh, let's see, what are some other names? In in the in the uh, eastern part of the world, there was Krishna and Rama, and there's actually one thousand names of the expansion of Krishna, known as Vishnu. The one thousand, the Vishnu Sahasranam. That's the thousand names of Lord Vishnu. So, in different kinds of cultures, then we found out that this person, who was responsible for our having these material bodies was the person that we had known as God or some name of God. And so we began to understand what our real identity was, what the source was, and then we began at some point to appreciate that others, other people, other living entities, not just human beings, but other living entities, were had the same nature that we do. In other words, they're spirit souls, they're individuals who are not part of this material world in which we found ourselves. And this was the knowledge that was the real beginning of our quest for an understanding of who we are, where we came from, what we should be doing. And we learned that the, um, the, that the, that the material world, even though it seems very boring to us at times, depending on the kinds of activities that we had, uh, it, it was actually quite interesting, an interesting place to be. It could be a very interesting place to be if we simply hit the switch in our brains and became more interested in the spiritual nature that, w- that is what we are than the material nature which we have thought of ourselves to be. And then once we have learned that, then we desired to live in that kind of environment in which uh, the spiritual was was practiced as much as, if not more than, the the activities that were related to these material bodies. And so this desire then that some of us had for mysticism found a, a, the, an excellent basis in the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, in which He told us who we are, where we have come from, and the reason that we find ourselves locked into this material world and find it so hard to understand or to, to enter into that kind of experience that we have been reading about that others had that we seem to have no access to. So Srila Prabhupada gave us access, and not only did he give us access, but he he said, you can do this without the use of any chemicals that you take into your body, which, uh, you know, many of us back in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, we thought that these were the ways to uh, to experience something mystical, that we had to have some substance outside of ourselves in order to be able to perceive the world as something brilliant and interesting and 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 giving us the reason for being alive in this world. So then we once we gained that knowledge, then we began to have the desire, just like any any time that you get something that is worth having, 
then if you're really a compassionate person, you want to share whatever that is, whether it be food or whether it be wealth or whether it be opportunity. Uh, You want to share that with the people that you really care about. And so that's what has happened to us who have been introduced to others who were more enlightened than we are. And so this whole chapter now that we're, we've been reading about in Bhagavad Gita, I'm sorry, in Srimad Bhagavatam, is Krishna the source, Krishna is the source of all incarnations. So, uh, what, what good does that do for us then who are in this material world? We want to, we come to the point of wanting to know more about this person we call Krishna. What is it about him? Why does he say that we're to worship him and him alone? And this was something that was said back in Christianity just as much as it is said in other bona fide religions that the reason for worshiping Krishna is that he is the only one who can give us access to the kinds of experiences that will take us out of this ordinary, mundane world that we live in now. And even though we still have these material bodies, and even though we have what looks like material duties to perform and activities to perform, still, once we change our consciousness, means that we change our way of looking at these bodies, looking at these activities, and we also, it changes the way we look at the bodies of other people and the activities that they perform. And so with this information that we have, which gives us some respite from the ordinary, mundane, boring lives that we have known in the past, because we have something that we consider to be valuable, therefore we're wanting to share it with others. And there's a number of ways that we have learned that we can do that. One of the ones that is that I find most pleasing is to be able to speak face-to-face with a person who has questions and then try to provide some answers and try to provide the source of other answers that they can, they can get their hands on. And a lot of those sources then are Prabhupada's books that he gave us, not only to read for ourselves, but also to introduce to other people. So if we want to be really compassionate people then in this material world, then we have to do what is, is we have to perform the same kind of activity that has been performed for uh, many years by persons who have engaged in the spiritual life that has been recommended by the, uh, the primary uh, representative of the Supreme Lord. And we know that person to be his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. And so this literature that we're reading every day is, is the primary literature for human beings, not, in, not only on this planet, for in other pla- but for in other planets of the universe. And so as much as we can share this literature with other people and the instructions that are given in it, to that extent then we can help others to also enter into this this new activity, this new realization, this new consciousness that we ourselves have been enjoying for all of these years. And so uh, knowing that Srila Prabhupada has done all this for us, we say, 
Thank God for Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Does anyone have any anything they would like to offer? Any questions that you'd like to raise? Something that has been in your mind recently that is related perhaps to what we've been reading today? Mr. Bhagavan Prabhu? Sometimes we hear about the a defect of the conditioned soul is a propensity to cheat. That everybody in the material world has a propensity to cheat or become cheated. But then we see that it sort of varies amongst people. Like there's one level of cheating, like somebody comes out of the grocery store and founds, finds out that they there's an item that they didn't pay for in the basket. And they have to think for a minute. Well, I mean, maybe they rationalize. Well, I, you know, it's already out of the store. Maybe I could just go ahead and take it. I paid them a lot, you know. And then there's people who engage in cheating on a massive scale, you know, like they have scams. Uh, like I got a message that said it was from my bank, and then when I called the number, then they wanted my credit card number right away, and I could tell that these people have an elaborate cheating program going but then other people they always they want to be honest but then it seems like they still have this propensity to cheat so how does that propensity to cheat vary in from one conditioned soul to another we all have the desire for happiness don't we it said, we said, nobody does anything intentionally to make themselves unhappy, even if it's very obvious that what, what they're going to do, like they're going to take something that belongs to somebody else, and eventually, you know, if they're caught, then they might have to go to prison for a period of time. So even, even if they, um, even if they think that this is, you know, that there's going to be some suffering involved, still the desire for pleasure, the desire for happiness is so strong that they're willing to take that risk. And uh, they risk, uh, you know, ruining their entire lives. Mama just killed a man, put a gun against his head, pulled the trigger, now he's dead. Mama, you know that? So the group Queen sang about that, about a young man who has just uh, done something very heinous. He's caused a person to give up his life. And now he realizes that he has destroyed his own life just with that one activity. And the only reason people usually do that is so that they can uh, gain happiness. And and so they're they, you know they for some reason somehow or other they come into the uh, understanding that that this is this is going to ultimately lead to my happiness. All I have to do is to take enough money from someone else, and that's going to give me enough money to live on for the rest of my life. And they realize that there's a possibility they can get caught, and if they get caught, they go and they have to serve time in prison. And from everything that we've heard and from the videos that we've seen, uh, prison is not exactly the kind of place for a gentleman to be. 
So we understand also, Mr. Vagwan Prabhu, that this material world is like that prison house. That we come into this world and we think that everything is meant for our pleasure, and so we don't have to answer to anyone. We don't have to give any thanks or any appreciation to someone else uh, for whatever we have in this material world that is giving us that little bit of happiness that we so much long for. So it's just, I, I, to answer your question, I think probably the best answer is just ignorance. People think that they can be happy even if it means they cause somebody else to lose or some someone else to be unhappy. They still think that they can be happy if they get that thing, regardless of what it causes others to do, to suffer. Any other thoughts on that yourself? All right, well, once again, we are very much appreciating the fact that all of you have chosen to join us today. And it's, uh, we hope that uh, somehow or other, the Srimad Bhagavatam, being a living entity, being the literary incarnation of the Supreme Lord, um, that it has come through in the words that you've heard today. If so, then we feel good that, that maybe we've spent part of our lives getting some knowledge to pass along to you that would be beneficial to you. So we say, uh, all glories to Srila Prabhupada who has brought this literature to us. We say, all glories to the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the king of all literatures. And we say, all glories to Shishi Radha Kalachanjidam, where we can come and be with other people who are on the same path of spiritual life that we are. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Shishi Radha Kalachanjidam ki jai, Gora Premananda, Hari Hari Bo. Everyone, please go out and have a very good, productive day and an enjoyable day. And remember, every chance you get, chant the holy names. Hare Krishna.